Welcome to another edition of Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I'm Frank Rizzo, and this episode, we're going to discuss telework with Dr. Lawrence Rose. Dr. Rose literally wrote the book on telecommuting, The Human Side of Virtual Work. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Rose. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, Larry, according to a Gallup poll published in August of 2015, telecommuting has climbed by 35%. By 35% is it expected to rise, but in some sense, almost every government IT contractor is a virtual worker. Generally, contractors are working on site with a client, not at their parent company's home office. Does your research allude to this phenomenon? Or are you speaking more of the idea of working at home via in the office? So, so I think the important thing when we talk about telecommuting or virtual work is is a distinction that it doesn't really matter where or how you're doing it. It's, it's more where you're getting the direction of that work. And so my research was focused uh, more on the types of telecommuting and how that affected it. It originally started with looking at organizational change and how telecommuters were able to derive the change that happened at the organization. And it ended up, after the research, dealing with the productivity of the virtual worker or the telecommuter. So the issue with where you're doing it or how you're doing it isn't as uh, pertinent as much as if you are doing it. So let me elaborate a little bit on that. Um, let's say we work for Company X, um, but my work location is far away, so I am considered a teleworker or a virtual worker in that regard. What we need to focus on is where am I getting the direction for my task or my activity. If I'm trying to stay connected and get the direction from company X, but I'm working away from there, that makes it difficult. If I'm localized and working at the localized facility and taking direction there, I have a a distance or a gap from my company. So I, I think the point is, and the research had come forward, that it's more about where the direction is coming from and the productivity aspects of working virtual or in a telecommuting environment. It seems like it takes a lot of discipline and able to be focused on work when you're not at work. It, it, it definitely does, and that's part of where the productivity aspect came from this whole thing was because a lot of the um, participants in the research always defined, well, I'm able to stay a virtual worker because I'm being productive. I'm able to stay because I've built a sense of trust. I don't feel disconnected from the place that I'm working. Um, And so that's what bore out through the research, and that's what we're seeing, the level of human touch associated with the whole concept. It's not the technology that allows for virtual workers to be in that environment. It's what are you doing from the human aspects about what you just mentioned, and that is the dedication, the commitment, the awareness of getting it with all the distractions. I mean, uh, you know, there are some aspects where we talk about disruptive technology, right, the Internet. Um, you know, there's a bunch of studies out there and, and articles that talk about the distractions of, you know, how productive can we be when we're sitting there constantly being bombarded with Internet pop-ups or our app pop-ups or whatever it might be. So uh, excellent point on your part. Now, along the same lines, virtual work environment tends to encompass both the concept of working 100% from a home office or hoteling, in which case employees can check into a different office nearly every day. How are these two scenarios similar, and how are they different? 
Well, again, as I, as I was mentioning, it's it's not so much where you're working, it's it's how you're working. And so, as as we discussed earlier, uh, with the example of the location and the direction, I think that's what's most important. So I don't really see, and the research kind of bears out that um, there really isn't a difference because you know whether I'm working at, at um, Starbucks coffee and doing my internet there, or whether I'm working at a hotel station in a remote office, or whether I'm actually at a home office. Where is the direction? Where is my task? And how am I really being productive in that environment is, is kind of where uh, the focus needs to be in this important message that we're getting out. Now, as an employer, telework kind of seems like not a good idea because you want people in the office so you can kind of manage them because you are a manager. So telework seems to be somewhat uh, cyclical, both uh, in policy and practice. There's some cases where a snowstorm will keep federal workers out of work for days or metro closures, suddenly telework is on the agenda. It's a good idea at that point, uh, but then when things are normal again, you don't hear anything about it. Uh, any idea uh, why that would be the case? Yeah, I, I kind of liken that to most crisis situations. You know, I mean, there's, you know, you use the example of a snowstorm. Uh, you know, shovels and, and generators are always popular around the snowstorm time as well, and we often don't think about them when we're not. So, uh, I, I don't know if it's cyclical I, as much as it is, you know, in the conscious mind of what are we doing. You know, you're exactly right. As a federal contractor, uh, we do talk about it more when there are snowstorms. We do talk it more about when there are, you know, major and being in the Washington, D.C. area, and we know there are big events happening, and that, that requires a, a lot of traffic issues. So um, I don't think the aspect is cyclical as much as it is when there's a crisis or there's something then it becomes kind of, did I have the right tool? Do I have the right technology? Am I really connected? Um, so so I, I think that's why it becomes, because nothing's more disruptive. I think you'll, you'll um, appreciate this, but, you know, even over the phone, um, if somebody's typing, um, if somebody's distracting, if there's a lot of background noise, how, how rich is that communication when we're, when we're actually doing that? Um, and so all of a sudden, that becomes much more amplified when my entire staff now, I'm having to do phone calls with everybody, and I'm getting the, the drop signal from this phone. And, boy, teleworking isn't very good because I can't communicate to my staff. So I think that's maybe what we see when, when, the, when we have these um, big influx of people doing it. I know what you're saying, because the entire time you were talking, uh, Larry, I was knitting a scarf. So I only caught about <laughs> half of that. That's okay, because I was typing something on my keyboard as well. <laughs> so let's get to the nuts and bolts of this. What can a manager do or what, what can managers do to make, tele, to make telecommuting or teleworking employees successful? Yeah, I think the fundamental aspects is that, you know, what we really want to do is we want to focus on really the traditional aspects of management. And, you know, I, as much as I, you know, have done research and, and looked at this and, and probably have focused more on teleworking and, and the different styles of virtual work over the past, you know, six or seven years as I've been doing this um, as a focus of my dissertation and, and, and subsequent writing the book, it's really about trust, isolation, and presence. I mean, a manager has to establish trust, whether the employee is face-to-face -face or whether the employee is, is long distance. And, you know, the ugly stepsister of, uh, or brother uh, of trust is distrust, right, broken commitments. And we often see what happens, um, and we've all fallen subject to it at times, is 
it's easy to miss that phone call or it's easy to be late on a phone call when I'm distracted with other things. But the other person waiting for that phone call doesn't know that my meeting ran long. But the other person doesn't know that there was an emergency or there was, quite honestly, even a fire drill in the building, and that's why I missed the phone call. So we immediately go to the aspect of, oh, boy, they missed another meeting with me. They must not really like me, must be having problems. And that's the same thing with isolation. Uh, Talk to anybody that has worked a long time at a remote location. There is a disconnect. They missed the water cooler talk. Uh, I'll give you an example. One of the participants in, in the research basically had anxiety every time she got called into the office because every time there was a call to the office, something negative was reported. And so after working two years at a home office, every time she got called in, it was, uh-oh, it's got to be bad news, got to be this. And, you know, she basically told me that she became so anxious that it, it just wasn't worth it. And she asked if she could return back to the office after two years because of that. So people have different reactions. And then the same thing about work presence. How much do you feel connected when you're in your pajamas sitting at your dining room table with the TV on and the keyboard up and the cell phone ready to go, is that the same feeling that you have? So a manager needs to understand that their traditional aspects, these human perceptions, still apply, and we just need to apply them in a different way as we deal with the virtual worker. Do personality traits take a a role in that? Um, For example, my wife telecommutes to work twice uh, a week, and she loves it because she can do those things over lunch like laundry or or dishes or or vacuum when your your kids are afraid of the vacuum. You never get a chance to while they're home. So there's, in in lieu of uh, an actual pay raise, she took the opportunity to to work two days a week from home, and she thrives in that environment because she's kind of introverted. As me, if I were to do that, it would be awful. I'm an extrovert. I need to talk with people. I'm going to look for things to do to connect with other people and not focus 100% on the work that needs to be done. Right. That's, that, that's an excellent point, and, it, and it's right on the mark. Telecommuting, teleworking isn't for everybody. There are certain jobs that, that it just isn't feasible for, and there are certain personality types that it doesn't work well for. Through the research, we found out with this whole productivity switch, um, people are, are built for efficiencies. I mean, we all are. Um, you, you know, knitting the, the sweater there and me typing on the phone, um, those are things that we're comfortable with, and so we do them. So self-efficacy comes into play. So somebody that's extroverted, they're more comfortable being out and being around people and, and you know, walking to a meeting and going to a face-to-face meeting. A lot of introverted people um, don't like that. They find that stressful, so they, they are more comfortable in a, in a you know, home office or a remote office. The question that has to come into play each and every time is, what is the person producing, and are they being effective? So I think, as you said, your wife is very effective. That's great. Over a longer period of time, that has to be measured as the environment changes and look at that. So the question prior about what can managers do, it's really a two-way street. It's not just what the manager can do. It's what the employee can do in establishing that productive working relationship to massage that. And that has to be cared for on a daily basis. It has to be conscious. It has to be in our awareness that I'm not connected to the daily activity. So if certain policies changes, I need to be a little bit more astute to listening to those. If a new manager changes, that manager may not have the same attitude about telework that my other manager did. I don't have the trusting relationship that I once did, so I have to reestablish that. 
So it's a give and take on this two-way street. So if you find an employee that's that you think would fit the perfect telecommuting mold, or you think that that would be something that you would be good at doing, where does technology come into play in this? Are the right tools super important to be successful at telework? I think they definitely are. And, and you know, again, I, I'm, I'm sorry to keep drawing back to the traditional environment, but, you know, face-to-face communication is the richest form of communication that we have. We read nonverbal cues all the time. You know, there's some studies out there, and, and you know, people report that, you know, 80% of what we really get out of it, 70% of what we really get out of the conversation was all the nonverbal, the head nods, the, where the hands were. We lose that simply over the telephone. So a tool like having Skype meetings where you can share, you can get the videotapes, you can have clear communication. Um, you know, there'll be some technology people out there that won't like, but, you know, voice over IP is, is sometimes it breaks up. Some speaker phones, only, two, only one thing can transmit at a time. So if you've got a department meeting and three people are answering, at the same time, that person's only getting bits and pieces of that communication. So the tools that we need, the, the SharePoint, the, the network drives, the VPNs, those things need to be massaged. I mean, there was a recent article, um, Dean um, Hill, uh, Hinchcliffe just recently wrote, um, you know, we can achieve much better and be more effective with our digital workplace. And in this article... Um, Dion talks about the challenges that we have. We're almost inundated with too much choices, too many technologies. And so as you talk about the tools, I think it's very important that there's a consistent use of tools. If everybody's using their own kind of apps and everybody's using their own methodology, again, that erodes from that that rich face-to-face communication. We already know it's eroded because it's not face-to-face. But then if we start using different types of tools, what works for me doesn't work for you, Frank, necessarily doesn't work for somebody else. Well, now we're really starting to get down in that, that you know, struggle of how, how effective is this communication. And in your book, The Human Side of Virtual Work, Larry, you mentioned that telework, you can use it as a recruiting incentive. Do you find that that's a frequent request from professionals? And how do customers feel about that? Uh, it seems uh, the federal environment is one where they want to butt in a seat is still demanded. Uh, is that still the case? It's, it's definitely a balancing act. And, yes, I think, I think ultimately the customer wants to look at the individual. I mean, you know, sometimes in, in depending on what types of opportunities you're going after, but, you're, you know, you're seeing even customers do oral presentations as part of the evaluation because they want to look in the eyes of the people that are going to provide the solution so I think it is part of a recruiting tool because with telecommuting, we want to be able to attract the best wherever they may be. And then once we do that, then we just have to find and we have to balance and massage that to make it work in the environment. Just because you're working in, in Colorado and you live in New York doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with the time zone, doesn't mean that we don't have to put policies and procedures in place. And a lot of time that goes unspoken because we assume the technology is going to bridge that gap. That's why I'm saying it's not the technology, it's the humans that have to say, hey, I'm two hours behind you. So if you start every meeting at 7 o'clock in the morning in New York, uh, you know, I'm getting up pretty early to, to do that out in Colorado. So you know, we've got to work for those compromises. And the customers understand that, and we have to stay engaged with them about that. So how can a teleworking employee build that trust with the management and, and vice versa? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it really boils down to establishing open lines of communication and setting expectations. I mean, you know, let's go back to the traditional environment, right? How do you establish trust as, as you know, face-to-face employee or co-located employee with manager? You lay out clear expectations. You monitor those expectations. You, you, you put far-reaching goals out there, short-term goals, and you, you drive to those. And ultimately, it's the accountability that, that you want to drive um, <clears throat> forward. So it's really the same as in the traditional work environment. It just raises to a consciousness of self-awareness and self-efficacy, as we've talked about. You know, we need to look for ways to establish what the expectations are, drive through those, and, and communicate effectively, and use the tools as an aid in that communication and that building of trust. Don't use it as a reliance uh, and a crutch. Well, I tried to call you. I left a message. I IM'd you only. Uh, I sent you an email last Friday, and you didn't respond yet. Pick up the phone. Drive those things as you would. If somebody was in the office down the hall and you sent them an email, even though that's what we do anymore, even right next door we send an email as opposed to get up, you'd eventually get up and walk by that office to see if the person was there. Kind of, kind of take that same mentality when you're dealing with the virtual worker. So it's, it's all about accountability, uh, trust, and just focusing on the, the task at hand. If you want to be someone who telecommutes to work, it's an option, but it takes discipline. It's not one of those things where, uh, yeah, I'll go to work here in five minutes. I want to finish this TV show. Absolutely, and that, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, I, you know, I, I talk about it all the time. It's, it's not building you know, a, a crazy program. It's, it's very much the traditional work environment with the level of consciousness of saying there's some barriers that we have to get across here. Um, you know, there's just, there's just the constant challenges of, of organizational change and stress. I mean, um, and, and we have to deal with that like we would if they were working, you know, in an office or in a cube environment um, right next to us. So it's just the commitment to understand the nuance and focus on making that productive environment using the traditional aspects. Absolutely. Is there anything else, Larry, you wanted to add on about the, the topic that we haven't uh, brushed on yet? No, I, I, think, I think we've covered most of it. I think the most important thing is, as we've concluded here, and, and, and that is focus, because ultimately as a business, ultimately what we're trying to provide to our customer is, is a very valuable service, and we have to be productive. Our clients are buying productive hours from us, and, and by focusing on the traditional giving the flexibility associated with the virtual work environment, uh, we can deliver a great product and the great service to our customer while also having the work-life balance for all of us. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time this afternoon, Larry. We certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. And this has been another edition of Security Clearance Podcast. I'm Frank Rizzo. Thanks for your time today.